0: Today's scripture passage is the gospel according to Matthew, the 28th chapter, verses 1 through 10. And the title of the sermon today is Unexpected. Unexpected. As I was preparing for the sermon this morning, I was looking online and I found an article that was featured in the Washington Post from 2019. And in this article, it described some surprising, well at least surprising to me, some surprising trends in the death industry. Now, I didn't make that phrase up, I've never used that phrase before today, but it's what the writer used to describe what I would call the funeral home business. And apparently, there are some trends that are happening across the country that are truly mind-boggling to me. It seems as if in a lot of places, the somber, traditional funeral may be on its way out, As Americans become more mobile, and as Americans become more secular, and as Americans become less ritualistic, the rules are changing as it comes and as it relates to funerals. For most of us, now we haven't noticed any kind of change. We we might not have noticed many or any changes here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, or in our little bubble of folks at St. Mark's United Methodist Church. Typically, when someone dies in our community of faith, the funeral home is called. They will come and they will take the body of our loved ones and they will leave and they will go and prepare that body either for burial or to be cremated. And once the body has been prepared, uh, they will have a visitation. It's either at the funeral home or as is often the case here at St. Mark's here in our church. Uh, People will come to this visitation and they'll walk into the doors and they'll be greeted by uh, men in suits or women in dresses, welcoming them and thanking them for coming. And, And they will instruct them or invite them to walk over to the guest registry and to write their names down so that later the family can look back at those names and remember all of the people who came to express their condolences during this season of grief. After you've signed that guest registry, you'll grab one of the little bulletins that tell just a little bit about the deceased's life. And then you'll walk in and you'll stand at the back of the receiving line. This is the line where you wait to express your condolences or sympathy to the family and friends of the loved one. And maybe it's at this part uh, and this point that you begin to smell all of the flowers that the florists have been delivering. And maybe you begin to see all of those flowers, these flowers, a symbol of life, even in the midst of death. And after you've had a chance to visit with the loved ones for a moment, maybe then the funeral starts where the uh, scripture is read and where prayers are prayed and where the gospel is proclaimed. And maybe one or more people stand up and testify as to the kind of person that the deceased was and how much the deceased person will be missed. And then following the funeral, we all get into our automobiles and we follow the hearse out to the final resting place of the deceased. There the pastor will stand before the gathered assembly and offer a brief service of committal, maybe even a scripture and uh, maybe even a benediction. And then as the pastor dismisses the, the larger crowd, the pastor, if, if you're a part of the St. Mark's family, will remind the, the family of the loved one that a wonderful meal has been planned for you by the manna ministry team here at St. Mark's United Methodist Church. And you'll go back to the church and you'll experience that meal. But apparently, that's not what funerals are looking like in a lot of other places in our world today. And one of the reasons for these changing trends is the growing popularity of cremation. You know, now you can have your loved one cremated and the remains placed in this beautiful urn and you can take that urn with you wherever you want to go. I mean, people are now having destination funerals in much the same way that they have destination weddings. Uh, You can take your a loved one's ashes, and you can scatter them at sea, or you can scatter them at your favorite vacation spot, or you can even go all the way to the Holy Land and scatter them, Oxford, Mississippi. Um, funeral homes are doing anything in a lot of places to try to earn your business to get you to come to their venue they're increasing the number of options that they have and the accessories that they provide and the amenities that they provide according to this article that i read some drab and dreary funeral parlors are being replaced for dance floors Yes, I said dance floors. They're they're doing away with funeral parlors and they're putting a dance floor in its place so that people could truly celebrate the life of the deceased and, and have a good time. You won't believe this, but there are some funeral homes in our country that are actually applying for liquor licenses because they know that a little bit of liquor will help get the party started That's the kind of unusual and unexpected trends that are taking place in our world today. And in many of those places, you're not going to find a service of death and resurrection from the United Methodist Book of Worship. And yet, here in our scripture lesson this morning, it appears as if Jesus' funeral was going according to plan, really nothing unusual or unexpected happening, well at least at first. When Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross, Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate and requested permission to take Jesus' body down from the cross and to prepare it for a proper burial and to place it in a tomb that Joseph himself had purchased. Pilate gives Joseph permission to do this, and that's exactly what he begins to do. According to Matthew's gospel, Mary Magdalene and another woman named Mary are there. Not only are they there as Joseph takes the body down from the cross and begins to prepare it for burial, but they were there at the crucifixion itself. There's a really good chance that as Joseph prepares Jesus' body for burial that Mary and Martha join him in preparing Jesus' body. There's only one small hiccup at the time and that's that Jesus died late in the day and it's almost sunset and at sunset Sabbath begins. And you can't touch a body on the Sabbath. So while they're trying frantically to prepare Jesus' body for a proper burial, they're not going to be able to finish it before they have to place that body into the tomb. They'll just have to come back later and finish what they started. And so they placed Jesus' body in the tomb and then I suspect that all of those that were there that day made their way home to observe the Sabbath, to be comforted by their faith in this moment of intense grief. I suspect that they enjoyed a meal that someone had lovingly and previously prepared for them. I suspect that they cried a lot, maybe even laughed a little as they recalled with great fondness the life of their friend and their Lord. They probably even raised some questions that they had about what had happened and why and maybe even expressed a few doubts, much like many of us would do in a funeral today. Well, Matthew tells us that As our scripture lesson that was read this morning begins, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the other Mary, go back to the tomb to finish what they've started. They've gone as soon as they could go, at the first sign of light on the day after the Sabbath. And when they get there, they quickly realize that, in the same way that there are some interesting, unexpected, and unusual trends happening in funerals in America today, there were some unusual and unexpected things happening in the story in their scripture this morning. You might recall that in Matthew's gospel, when Jesus dies on the cross, at that very moment there was an earthquake. Now this wouldn't have necessarily been unusual or unexpected because Palestine sits on a seismic rift and this kind of thing is prone to happen from time to time. Matthew's gospel even says that that rocks begin to split into pieces, likely hundreds if not thousands of pieces, nothing unusual or unexpected about that. What is unusual and unexpected is that according to Matthew's gospel, as these rocks began to split into hundreds or thousands of pieces, dead bodies of holy people who had died began to spring forth to new life. This would have definitely been unusual. This would have definitely been unexpected. I mean, when rocks split into thousands of pieces, you can expect that if there are people in dwelling places who are alive, they might very well end up dead, but you certainly don't expect people who were dead when rocks are splitting into hundreds and thousands of pieces to become very much alive. And as our women approach the tomb this morning, there is a second earthquake. Now, again, that wouldn't have necessarily been unexpected or unusual because aftershocks are a phenomenon that occurs after a major earthquake. But what is unexpected and unusual about this second earthquake is that it might not have been caused by an aftershock at all. But in all likelihood, it was caused by the angel of the Lord that comes all the way from heaven down to earth to roll that stone away from the tomb where Jesus had been buried. It's left one theologian saying that the earth trembled in grief on Good Friday as Jesus was crucified. But the earth trembled with joy on Easter Sunday morning at the news of Jesus' resurrection. And so the angel rolls that stone away, not so that Jesus can come out, but so that those women could go in and see that Jesus was not there we're told that the angel sat on the stone that he rolled away from the tomb as if to foreshadow how Jesus now sits on the throne in his resurrected glory We're told the angel invited them to go in and see that the one who was crucified is no longer in the tomb, but has been risen from the dead. We're told that the angel tells the women to go and tell the disciples this good news. And that, my friends, would have also been unexpected and unusual. For women in Jesus' day were not very highly regarded. They had very little status or social standing. Uh, they were oftentimes not able to speak with other men. And yet, the angel, in this most unexpected and unusual way, says that he wants these women to be the first to proclaim no, the first to preach the good news of the resurrected Christ to his believers, his disciples, his friends, and the world. It was an incredibly unexpected and unusual event. Well, the women leave the tomb and Matthew tells us that they left the tomb filled with great joy But Matthew also acknowledges that they were afraid. I mean, after all, there's been a lot of crazy stuff that's happened to them. Two earthquakes in the span of just a few days, an angel of the Lord coming down from heaven, that sort of thing doesn't happen every day. An angel of the Lord rolling the tomb, the stone away from the tomb doesn't happen every day. And especially if that's what created the second earthquake, an invitation to go into a tomb where one expects to find a dead body, only to learn that that body has been raised from the dead and is now very much alive. And the invitation for a woman with no social standing and no status to be the one to go to stand tall and proud and full of joy and telling other people about the resurrection of Jesus. Matthew records that as the women are making their way to the disciples, that something else unexpected and unusual happens, that Jesus actually makes an appearance to them. And he greets them in the way that they would have expected. He he doesn't greet them in an unusual way at all. But after everything that has happened, these women don't respond in the expected way. They don't respond in the usual way of expressing the same sort of greeting back to Jesus. No, instead, these women fall to their feet and, and, and these women began to clasp the feet of Jesus. It's, it's Matthew's way of, of revealing to us that this is not just an image of Jesus. This is not just the spirit of Jesus. These women actually clasped and held on to the feet of Jesus. And we're told that in that moment, they began to worship him. And then Jesus says to these two women the same thing that the angels had said to them, that I want you to go and tell the others that I am risen from the dead. I want you to go and tell them that I am going ahead of them in Galilee, and I will be waiting for them because I want to see all of you again. Matthew doesn't tell us that the two women went and did as they were told to do by Jesus and the angel, but Matthew does tell us that the disciples ended up in Galilee, and there they had an encounter with the risen Christ. There they were able to see for themselves the scars and the wounds in his hands and his feet and in his side. And, and there they came to a greater understanding and a greater belief. And it's all because of these unusual and unexpected things that happened. And the faithfulness of these women who did as they were instructed. Now, I want you to know that um, there may be a day when here in Murfreesboro we encounter uh, some trends in funerals that we think are unusual and, and we think that we didn't expect. You know, life has a way of doing that. Uh, unexpected things happen, unexpected and unusual things like a pandemic. Uh, unexpected and unusual things like instead of gathering together in this beautiful sanctuary to celebrate the risen Lord, we're, we're stuck behind our computer screens and our television screens experiencing worship in relative isolation alone. There are unexpected things that happen, like uh, that happened in Jesus' day when this Messiah that they thought would come riding in on a white stallion full of power and might came in humble and meek and riding on a lowly donkey. This Messiah that the religious leaders claimed was a blasphemer who spoke against God was actually speaking everything truthfully as God desired for him to do. Uh, This Messiah that they thought was distorting all of the scriptures and all of the laws that had been passed down through them from the prophets and the, the giver of the law of old they realize that in fact he's not distorting these uh, laws, that he's actually fulfilling them. Something unexpected like a Savior who is crucified for the sins of the world and everybody is devastated and thinks that the movement is over, that the cause has been lost, only to find Jesus come out of the empty tomb our God seems to use unusual and unexpected things and ways to do great things. So pardon me, if in the midst of a pandemic when there's all sorts of unusual and unexpected things happening, if my faith gives me the courage to believe that God is up to something good, even in the midst of these very difficult days. Thanks be to God for working in unexpected ways to do great and glorious things. That's the message of Easter. Amen.